0: Well, we are in our very last week of this five-week series called Satisfaction, and basically all a series is, is we talk about a a subject matter until we have nothing left to say. So today, we ran out of everything to say. Uh, And next week, uh, we are starting a brand new series called uh, Nothing to Fear, and I think the graphic uh, says it all. You know, we're living in that time of life right now. The, the political season is, uh, is 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 in full swing, and no matter which side you sit on politically, uh, you feel like if the other person actually uh, wins, that the whole world is going to be destroyed because of that one person. And so uh, there's fear politically. Uh, you just flip on the news, grab your iPhone, uh, flip open a, a news app, and I mean there's wars everywhere. Uh, I, I'm heading over to Jerusalem, uh, Israel, here in about four weeks. And, uh, you know, I, I'm being told it's safe. I'm like, what? Define safe. Uh, <laughs> please define that. And uh, and so there's fears there. Uh, economically, there's fears. Uh, I'm not sure for you and your job. Some of you, every day, you, you just don't know if you're going to have a job that day. And so you just kind of live in this constant state of fear if you're a parent, uh, there's fears everywhere. M- my 10-year-old is more like a 16-year-old, and we went to uh, uh, West Point yesterday to an Army football game, and there's all these men in uniform, and I watched my 10-year-old eye them. I'm like, stop looking. No. Like, <laughs> I want to put a blindfold around her, but that had been odd. And uh, I mean, there's all this fear as a dad, and we just live with fear, and uh, and so how, how do we handle fears? Fears of our past, fears of our present, fears of our future, um, and how do we just emotionally navigate through all of that? So that kicks off next week. And then on the 28th of October, uh, we have a special guest uh, who will be here. We're going to have kind of the interview format. His name is Bob Dahl. And if you're in the, the finance Wall Street industry, you probably have heard of Bob's name. He's been on MS, MSNBC and Fox News, and all those business channels, and uh, he's been in the finance world for years and years and years. And I had the opportunity to sit down back in August and uh, just spend a couple hours with Bob, and he just shared with me just very openly and honestly about uh, kind of just his life and his, kind of his, his faith and uh, his leadership business world. And uh, he's had some incredible moments and some very difficult moments when it comes to that. And uh, after about two hours of him just sharing his story with me, I asked him a simple question. I said, Bob, are you willing to share all of that at Renaissance? I mean, all of it? He goes, absolutely. He goes, I want to share my story uh, because I think that it's going to help people. And, uh, and so he's going to be here uh, in two weeks. It's a great opportunity for you to invite friends to, to hear his story and, uh, and what he's kind of come through. And so it fits perfectly into our fear series uh, in an amazing way. So that's the 28th, and then we'll continue on with our fear series after that. So that uh, kicks off next week. So exciting, exciting things. Well, today, uh, we end satisfaction. And every week, we, we've kind of bounced back into Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, where Paul wrote these words, where he said, uh, For I have uh, learned the secret of being content in all ways in in seasons where he had plenty and in seasons where he lacked uh, uh just food in seasons where he had everything he could imagine in seasons where he had nothing in seasons where he found himself at kind of this this pinnacle where he, i'm sure he could uh, he felt like man I, c- I couldn't get uh any higher in seasons where he must have felt like could life get any darker And he learned this secret of being content. Because here's the thing I know in this room today. Oh, the specifics are very different. But yet, we all are discontent. There's something in you right now that's driving you. And you feel that if you can get there, you will finally be satisfied. But we all know. Can't get no satisfaction. Though you try and you try and you try and you try. Again, the specifics are very different. But there's something in your world right now. And so we've looked at different uh, major areas that probably most of us have dealt with in the past or, or are trying to navigate through right now. Last week we talked about just uh, trying to find contentment just with our stuff, with our possessions, with our money, with our net worth. And what's interesting is Paul just kind of reframed this whole issue and said, hey, you're never going to have enough stuff. You're never going to have the net worth that you're reaching for. Because that land, that island, the island of Est, Even if you get there, if you're the lucky one to get there, there's going to be someone to knock you off that island. We looked at how to have contentment with just ourselves. For some of you, you look in the mirror and you just hate what you see. For some of you, um, you look at all of your shortcomings when it comes to your personality. And you say uh, lines like, if only, if only I could sing like, if only I could act like, if only I could have the intelligence like, if only, if only, if only, if only. And you size yourself up to everyone else around you. And you think, if only. And God's saying to you, no, you only. That God created you perfectly. Your personality how you think, how you process, how you laugh, how you look. And Paul just said, hey, find contentment because you are God's work of art. We looked at the the seasons where it's difficult to find contentment when life is difficult, when it feels like uh, the whole world is resting on your chest, and how to find contentment in those moments of life where it's difficult just to, take a breath, when you're not sure what's going to come next. And Paul said, hey, find contentment. And every one of these areas, which I'm sure all of you, I mean, I know for me I have, I've had moments in all of those major areas struggling to find contentment. And Paul, right after verse 12, when he says, hey, i I've learned the secret. He gives us the answer to the secret. And he writes these simple words in Philippians chapter four, verse 13. I can do all of this through him, through Christ who gives me strength. All of it. You see, Paul said the answer is your relationship with Christ. The answer to contentment Is Christ. Seems so simple. Yet it's such a struggle for some of you. Probably all of us. Because we want to read a self help book to fix our issues. We still think if we get to the land of Ur, we'll be okay. And that will solve all of our contentment issues. If we achieve this, if our net worth equals this, if our degrees equal this, if the accolades equal this, then if we get to that land of earth where we're smarter and richer and most powerful then we'll be content. And Paul says, no, you won't. Because the island of Est, to be the richest, most powerfulest, the smartest, the prettiest, will always be seducing you. And intuitively, we know that's true. We do. We don't want to pay attention to that. But we know, because some of you have gotten to the land of Ur, and you start eyeing the island of Est. And some of you maybe even touched foot onto the island of Est. And as soon as you get there, guess what happens? You have to fight to stay there. Because there's always going to be someone there to knock you off. And Paul just said, hey, contentment is found in Christ. It's easy. For us to talk about these people in the Bible, like Paul. And we like to elevate them way up high. And it's easy because then at that point we can dismiss them. Oh, that's Paul. He wrote books in the Bible. Of course he gets this. Of course it's easy for him. Of course. And organized religion has done this so successfully all of these people, we elevate so high and have been elevated so high. But guess what? Everyone in the Bible except for Jesus Christ is as human as you and me. Flawed, broken, messed up, qu- questioned, doubted, or prideful, or arrogant, looked at people the wrong way. See, we look at Paul's life, and in the very first week, I kind of got into who Paul was before uh, he was a a Christ follower. But we have to go back to that, because we have to understand Paul's story, his pathway, and what happened to him. Paul grew up in a very kind of prestigious family. His parents were wealthy enough to... uh, Uh, Kind of be able to purchase Roman citizenship. So Paul was a Roman citizen as a Jew. Paul went to the finest schools. He sat underneath one of the, the, the most educated elite of all professors, Gamaliel. Paul, if he didn't have the entire Old Testament memorized, which he probably did, he had most of it memorized. He was highly educated. He made his way kind of up the ranks and he found himself to be a Pharisee, which was the religious elite of that that day and age. They also carried all the power in those communities, in that culture. And Paul was a Pharisee. He was probably on the land of Ur, staring at the island of Est. And he probably could have gotten there. He was a power broker in that day and age. He was the influencer in that day and age. He carried tremendous amounts of authority. And when we first meet Paul, his real name Saul, he was persecuting, killing Christians. You see, this new movement called The Way had taken off. And all of these Jewish religious rulers didn't know what to do with this newfound movement of Jews and Gentiles, people from all different areas, saying, the promised one, the Messiah, he came, he died, he conquered death, and we're gonna follow him. So Paul went out to kill as many of these people Who were following this movement called the Way as he could. And so one day he went to kind of his bosses, the men who were kind of higher in the organization. And he kind of said to them, hey, there's a bunch of people that are following Christ, part of this movement called the Way. They're in Damascus. I want to go there and gather them all up and bring them back to Jerusalem to put them on trial and to kill them. Can I do that? And they said, go for it, Paul. Original name Saul. Go for it. And so him and his group of people set out, set out from Jerusalem to Damascus. And when he almost got to J- Damascus, says that there was this loud sound, this blinding light. And Jesus said to Saul, hey, why do you persecute me? And in that moment, Saul's life radically shifted. The pathway he was on to kill people who followed Christ shifted to be one of the most influential Christians, Christ followers of all time. And it happened in a moment. See, Paul went on to Damascus. And Jesus said to a guy named Ananias, hey, Ananias, this guy that you're terrified of because he's now in your house and you know his reputation, you know that he's been killing uh, Christ followers, you know what he's capable of, he's now gonna follow me. And in that moment, Jesus said, hey, Ananias, this man Saul, his name's going to become Paul. He's going to reach out into the Jewish community. He's going to reach out to Gentiles. He's going to reach out into to kings. He's going to reach out into all places of society. And I'm going to use him to be one of the most catalytic leaders of this movement called The, the Way. We call it the church Ever. I'm going to use him. And in Acts chapter 9, it says that Paul immediately said, okay, I will follow you. And he was baptized. An amazing picture of a life transformation of Paul saying, I'm committing my life to Christ. Baptism symbolizing Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. In a few short moments, Paul's entire life got shifted from killing Christ followers to Christ using him to be the most catalytic leader of that day and age and since. But yet, what I find interesting as it would be so easy for us to elevate Paul up to this status and say, well, that's Paul. Look at him. I've never had Christ come down and like blind me and, uh, with light. I haven't either. That'd be cool. But I've never had that happen. Look what Paul wrote. I'm not a theologian like that. Listen to what Paul said about himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Therefore, Paul, writing this letter, and it's about him. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Uh, the, The better word than thorn is a stake in his flesh. We don't know what it is. Scholars and theologians for thousands of years have debated what that might be. We don't know if it was a physical issue. We don't know if it was an emotional issue. We don't know if it's a, a, a spiritual or sinful issue. We, we have no clue. What we know is there's something that big in Paul's life. And he pleaded for it to be taken away from, from him. A messenger of Satan. Then we go over to 1 Timothy, and this is what Paul writes about himself again. 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Wow. I am the worst. I sit there and I, I read those, those words. And I'm like, no, no, really, Paul, I have you beaten. I'm sure. I can guarantee you of that. See, Paul, he's no different than you and me. He was flawed and prideful and arrogant and sinful and selfish But he understood the secret. He understood the secret. It was Jesus Christ. That was the secret. It's in that moment when he said, Okay, I give you my life. In that moment where he said, Okay, Christ, I know what you want from me, and I'm going to choose to follow you. In that moment. You see, Paul went on in, in 2 Corinthians after he talked about his thorn in his flesh. He went on in verse 9, and he he said, But he said, meaning Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul goes on and says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight, delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He went on, in First Timothy, after he said, hey, I'm, the, I'm one of the worst sinners of all time. He said in verse 16, he says, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, the secret, not only just to contentment in this life, but the secret to life is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. And Paul understood who he was before. He understood what he had done before. I wonder as Paul sat on that jail cell writing this letter to this church in Philippi. I wonder how many moments went back to his past. His past, what he used to be, how he used to think, what he did. I wonder in all of these letters that Paul wrote, when he wrote the, those words, I'm the worst of sinners. I wonder if he pictured the men and women he killed and he had killed. You see, all Paul knew was this who he was outside of Christ and who he was with Christ. Two completely different people. What Paul knew was his life before Christ. And even sitting in a jail cell, he could write, Hey, I've discovered the secret of contentment. I've lived with everything, and I now have nothing. I lived as a free man, as a Roman citizen as a Jewish religious leader, and now I sit in a jail cell. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And today, we wanted just to carve out a moment for all of you. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know if you believe in God, don't believe in God. I don't know if you believe in the bible or you just kind of dismiss it or you just think it's a great, you know, historical work, kind of historical, but you have problems with it. I don't know your church upbringing. I don't I don't know. I don't know your story. This is what I know is this. If you want to find contentment in life, it's in Jesus Christ. It's not some magical formula that if you accept Jesus Christ your entire life is going to be perfect I can attest to you that's not the case but it's in his strength that I get strength because of my weakness it's in moments where I felt completely hopeless where I realized there's a God that loves me Ian's going to come back up on stage right now And uh, like I said, we wanted to carve out a moment for you. For those of you who've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, we want to give you an opportunity to do that. You don't have to do anything. You're not going to have to stand up or raise your hand or come forward, or do anything like this. This is a decision between you and God. This is all about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you've never taken that step, I just invite you. Take that step. All you have to do is say, Christ, I trust in you. I'm going to choose you as Lord and Savior, leader, forgiver, and friend. I'm going to put my life into your hands. However you say that, there's no right or wrong words. Because Christ has done everything for you. He came, he walked, he chose to get on a cross. He chose to die for you. And I think. And this isn't in the Bible, but I think that moment when Christ was on the cross, he saw your face, and your name was on his lips. So if you've never taken that step, I invite you in this moment, take that step. If you're sitting there right now going, I don't know if I've ever done that. Maybe you've been raised in the church, maybe you've gone to church all your life, and you're sitting there going, I, I don't know. I have no clue. Maybe it shouldn't be a question for you. It shouldn't be. To say to Christ, hey, I, yeah, I'm not sure when, but yeah, I got it. It's good. It shouldn't be a confusion for you. For those of you who've made that step, but you've taken your eyes off of him, Use this time. Lift your head back up. Lock your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. Use this time. Because when you lock eyes on with Jesus Christ, that's the secret. That's the secret. This is your time. It's all about you and your relationship with Christ.